This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. You didn't think we were going to have only one day of celebrating Sinatra's birthday, did you? Because on the West Coast, for our many listeners out there, they are still raging for the next 54 minutes, still celebrating Sinatra's birthday big time. And I use this as an excuse to bring back one of my favorite guests, uh, not only a guy with uh, a great sense of nostalgia, an incredible memory, and an incredible energy, but also a tremendous sense of humor. He's been an entrepreneur. He was a former aide to Mayor Rudy Giuliani. He's a producer and a talent agent. Very pleased to welcome back to the program, Elliot Gordon. Elliot, it's great to see you again. Frank, great being here as always. I love being here with you guys. I love your audience because we're all on the same page. But I just want to mention, I heard a few moments ago you talking about uh, the moon and the mm-hmm. stars. Uh, in the late 1990s, I produced a show called The Leon Charney Report, and we had a wonderful guy called Captain Wally Shira came on, and he flew in all three 60s mission, Gemini, Mercury, and Apollo. you kidding. Absolutely. What a wonderful guy this guy was. And he told me, that he flew as uh, the uh, flight before Neil Armstrong to set it up. And he went within 250 miles of the moon. And he told me he has no problem flying a rocket ship, but he can't look out the window of a tall building. <laughs> <laughs> and one other thing I do want to mention, I found out that when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, they played the song, Fly Me to the Moon. You know, I was just going to make a joke about that, but that's very apropos. That's true. They played the song, Fly Me to the Moon, when uh, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. That's that's incredible. Now, since you mentioned uh, Sinatra, Sinatra, obviously, such a larger-than-life figure. We chronicled some aspects of his professional life yesterday, him as an actor, him as a, uh, a singer, obviously, as a live performer, as a radio performer, a guy that was incredibly ubiquitous and had so many years of being at the top of his game. It's an almost unparalleled entertainment career. Uh, Frank Sinatra was also a big supporter of the state of Israel, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, sure. Yeah. Well, what do sure. we know about Sinatra and his support for, and sure. advocacy for Israel? Well, Tom... Dre- I ask you because you're, I know, a big sure. supporter of Israel. Tom, Tom Dreesen, who's a friend of both of mm-hmm. ours, and I still represent Tommy as an agent. Uh, Tommy is about 82 now, and for 14 years he was Frank Sinatra's comedian. But more than that, he became his friend. He became part of his life. So not long ago, I said the same question you just asked me. I said, Tommy, do you ever remember Frank Sinatra talking about Israel? Because I know he won a lot of awards and was giving a lot of uh, honors out there. He said, oh, when he first started with him in 1981, he was invited to his home in Palm Springs for a dinner party. And he had just gotten back from a trip to Israel. So he was telling everybody how nice Prime Minister Menachem Begin was to him and how he showed him around and he did a beautiful job and he really enjoyed his trip. I said, Tommy, did he comment on the Israeli people? He said, El, yes, his comment was small country, big achievements. Mm. 
And I just thought that was a very, very nice comment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now, speaking of Tom Dreesen, who people don't know and have not heard my uh, previous interviews with him on this program, he was uh, Frank Sinatra's opening act for many, many years. He was the opening comedian for Frank Sinatra, and it developed a longstanding, not only professional relationship, but a a pretty deep uh, personal relationship. Mm -hmm. Tom Dreesen was actually one of the pallbearers at Frank Sinatra's funeral, uh, tell me, uh, uh, I don't know if it was that 1981 incident, but tell me about a birthday gift that Tom Dreesen actually got Frank Sinatra on this day back in the early 80s. Very special situation. Tommy's telling me, he said, El, I first started working for him. He was my boss. He was paying me a lot of money. It's his birthday. I wanted to get him a nice gift. What do you get, Frank Sinatra? I wouldn't what, know. What, a helicopter? What is it? Is he missing cufflinks? Does he need a tie? He said, I didn't know <laughs> what to do. So he said, I found that. He said, I had a brainstorm. He really did. He said, 1981, he found out that for $2 in 1981, you could buy a dinner for a homeless man. So he bought 500 of them for $1,000, and he put a card on each dinner. This dinner compliments of Frank Sinatra. And he said, that was my gift. And he said, El, he loved it so much. That throughout the years, when people would go to him and say, Frank, what can we do? What can we get for you? He would always say, see, Tommy, he knows what I want. And he said, oh, these were guys that weren't going to buy 10 dinners. They put in 10 grand and buy, you know, 20,000. He said it led to tens of thousands of dollars going to dinners for homeless people throughout the years compliments of Frank Sinatra. That's incredible. So Sinatra actually <laughs> bought all these homeless people dinner right. pretty much because of a birthday gift from Tom Dreesen. That's remarkable. That's right. Tommy said, El, I had a brainstorm and it just happened to click. And he was that kind of a guy. He said that Tommy, when you do a charity benefit, and he did a lot, if he was available, he always did it. Not only did he do it, he paid for the band, he paid for his own expenses, but he said, Tommy, don't take a lot of bows. Don't do interviews. Just do the charity work because the more, the less bows you take down here, the more credit you get upstairs and with the big guy. And that's what it's all about. And he said, oh, people don't realize how charitable he was. But concerning that first birthday gift, Tommy Dreesen came up with a great idea. And a lot of people had some pretty good meals because of it. I want to play a little bit of uh, Sinatra singing back in 1981. I'll look for any excuse to play uh, Sinatra singing. But this is from 1981. Uh, tell me about this. What, what, are, what are we about to listen to? Well, this here? is called Thanks for the Memories. Everybody knows Bob Hope because sure. he won an award in like 1939, the big broadcast of 1939. Who knew Bob Hope could sing? He really couldn't sing, but he got by and he won an award. But uh, Frank Sinatra uh, had the lyrics rewritten, probably by Sammy Kahn, and he turns it into his song, His Life. All right, listen to, listen to this. Frank Sinatra, 1981. Here's a wonderful arrangement by Gordon Jenkins of a song that was written by Leo Robbins and Ralph Ranger. And Mr. Robbins recently wrote some new lyrics for it for me, and I thank him for it. The title of the song suggests what's in my heart for all of you and the wonderful life you've given me in my business. Thanks for the memory of things I can't forget Journeys on a jet Our wondrous week in Martinique and Vegas and Roulette 
a lie we had our bed of roses but we forgot that roses die and thank you so much I hope tonight you've marveled along with me at the many talents behind every song the men and women who conceive the lyrics the dreamers who fashion the beautiful melodies that have become part of our own dreams, and the brilliant orchestrators who added their own touches of genius, like Nelson Riddle, Gordon Jenkins, Neil Hefty, uh, Vinnie Falcone, Don Costa, and Quincy Jones, and all the marvelous conductors with whom I've shared many a happy stage. And of course, all of the musicians and the, the ladies and gentlemen of the orchestra whose artistry has helped this lucky band singer make a living. And to all of you, and to all of you, God bless you and good night. 
You know, it's interesting, Elliot, and, and if people tuned in while we were playing that for the last uh, four minutes, you're listening to The Other Side of Midnight. I'm uh, Frank Morano, joined of, by, for the hour by Elliot Gordon. I, I had not intended to play uh, that whole clip. I think it will play 30 seconds, 40 seconds, maybe a minute. But I'm struck by being so curious about how they were going to change that lyrics to fit kind of Sinatra's life story and his own memories. And then uh, not only was I engrossed in that, but we've heard so many songs of Sinatra that were recorded in the 40s, 50s, and 60s yesterday. It's so interesting to listen to him sing in the 1980s and on a recording of the 1980s when uh, he has a very different type of voice, but still a great voice. And uh, it's just interesting to see that whole, it's it's kind of like a, a an audio time capsule in that respect. You know, Tommy, it's 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 so interesting uh, how he, be, he transcends generations and he becomes timeless. Today I do a presentation where they bring me in once a month. There's a beautiful community called uh, Sunrise East 56, which is the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And they bring me in for presentations once a month and I'm drawing big crowds there. Uh, and there's a lady there, a girl, 22 years old, and she had been working there. Uh, and I say, well, the folks here, they're, they're a little bit older than you. I said, did you, you know, I did a tribute to Sinatra. I said, did you enjoy this? Did you know who Sammy Davis is? Did you know who Dean Martin is or Lena Horne? And she says, well, she didn't know them. She knew Sinatra, but she knows she loved what she saw I said, you're 22 years old. What attracted you? Mm-hmm. And she said it was the style that they're coming out dressed great. Frank mm. Sinatra's in black tie. Dean's in black tie. Sammy. And she said she loved the camaraderie. When seeing these guys work together, they enjoyed being with each other. They were friends. And even if, the, if they didn't hit the high note, them having fun gave us a chance to have fun with them. 22 years old. Uh, Frank, they've transcended generations. That is absolutely wild. By the way, if people have a question for Elliot Gordon about anything that we're covering, you can give us a call, 800-848-9222, We'll talk about a few other areas not related to Sinatra in just a moment, including the fellow that you referenced a couple of minutes ago, Bob Hope. But you, last time you were here, you talked about a very interesting story about how Frank Sinatra saved a friend of yours life. What other interactions did you have, if any, with Frank Sinatra directly? Sure. There was a time where I was working as a maitre d' in a restaurant on the Upper West Side, Restaurant Row, and it was owned by a guy named Sid Zion, great newspaper guy, good friend of Frank Sinatra. And uh, Sinatra had come down to have dinner there, and he was traveling, of course, with, uh, with our friend Jilly. Mm-hmm. Jilly, I know very well. And I open the door, and they walk in, and Jilly hits me with a $20 bill for opening the door. I said, do you need somebody full-time? And, and then, he, then he said, I'd be happy with the 20 I said, now I can tell everybody I opened for Sinatra. And it really, really was nice. We met about four different occasions, uh, always memorable. But most of the real um, precious stories that I've gotten I share with people are things that Tom Dreesen shared with me, that Pat Henry shared with me, who was his comedian for 11 years before Tom Dreesen, and that good friend Jilly Rizzo shared with me. So uh, it's it really is a situation where we shared a few close friends. You know, it's uh, so interesting. You know, actually, let me take a break here because I'm running a little long. We're going to continue with uh, Elliot Gordon in just a minute. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. 
The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You the great Frank Sinatra singing Fly Me to the Moon, the anthem of Neil Armstrong and uh, several other, about, a, about a, a, a dozen others, or almost a dozen other Americans that have walked on the surface of the moon. Uh, my guest for the hour is Elliot Gordon, entrepreneur, former aide to Mayor Rudy Giuliani, producer, talent agent. You know, Elliot, before we uh, turn the page on Frank Sinatra, we've talked about a lot of uh, public personalities and how some are very similar in private as they are in public. Others, and uh, the, the best example that I think we've covered before, is Jackie Mason, who's a totally different guy when not on stage. The couple of times that you got to meet uh, Frank Sinatra and interact with Frank Sinatra, same guy as his public persona, different guy. Which was it? Aura. I just felt that he walked in. There was an aura about him. There was a, a magic about him. And, uh, you know, every head in a restaurant turns and he just seems to be in total command and just very, very impressive uh, like that. And um, I only felt that one other time I had represented former heavyweight champion of the world, Joe Frazier, for personal mm. appearances. And you could just stand next to Joe and you could just feel that this is just a very powerful guy, even in his senior years. And, of course, a former heavyweight champion. He didn't have to say a word, but you just knew there's something special about this guy. Uh, without a doubt, I just u- would use the word aura. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, obviously, you mentioned uh, Dean Martin a bit earlier. And that whole era, it becomes very interesting looking at the interactions with Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, not only some great movies, but uh, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great live performances, particularly out in, out in Las Vegas. This is December season of giving. In fact, I asked the, uh, the head of 1-800-Flowers to join us for a couple of minutes tomorrow to talk about different giving ideas. 
Anything come to your mind when it comes to Dean Martin and the season of giving? Absolutely. Uh, Lena Kazan, who I had represented from some personal appearances, I spoke to her not that long ago, and I said, Lane, reminisce back in the day. You did Dean's show three, four times a year. You guys were magic. Were you guys having an affair? You guys were magic. (laughs) And she said, everybody says that because we had like a spark, like a flirtatious connection when we were in front of the camera. But she was seeing somebody. He was married. She said, we never went out. It was just on stage. But that magic was there. But she said he was a beautiful guy to her. And I said, well, you know, did he ever give you a nice gift, maybe a pocketbook or something? She said, "El, one day he calls me and he says the local car dealership got in touch with him or his producer, Greg Garrison. And they said, Dean's show is such a hot show. It was number one on Thursday night, 35, 40 million viewers. Wow. That if he would put their car, uh, a sports car, think of Ferrari, on stage and get out of it to open up one Thursday night show, the car is his. So she said he calls me and says he's got five cars. He doesn't know where to park the cars he's got. He doesn't need another car. He said, Lainey, you want a Ferrari? <laughs> and she took it. And she said, oh, we never, we never had a sandwich together. But he was that kind of a guy. He wound up giving her a sports car. That is terrific. Hey, here's a little bit of uh, Dean Martin and Lainey Kazan. Listen to this. Since this is the perfect spot to learn, yeah. Teach me tonight. How do you like that? You gotta laugh a little, cry a little Before the clouds will find a little That's the story of, that's the glory of love When you play clips, uh, I don't know. I don't know if people are hearing you for the first time in this program. One of the things you do is you uh, perform all over, mm-hmm. not with you singing, dancing, and telling jokes, but basically playing clips of entertainers, many of whom are no longer with us or at least no longer performing. When you play clips of uh, something like that, a medley between Lainey Kazan and Dean Martin, what's the reaction like from a younger audience? Fabulous. Uh, today, I was, uh, as I mentioned, that presentation I was doing at that uh, sunrise on East 56th Street, uh, which, as I mentioned, they bring me in once a month. The girl was 22 years old mm. who was working there. And I said, gee, you know, you seem to enjoy what I just did. She said, I loved it. I said, you don't know who they are. She Well, she knows who Frank Sinatra sure. is, but she didn't know who Lainey Kazan is. She didn't know who the other people are. She said, but they dress so nice. They got style. They got class. They got elegance. And they're having a good time when they perform. 
you just knew that Laney and Dean, you could hear it. They're having a good time with each other, and we're having a good time watching them have a good time. So I think, Frank, uh, two things that are missing in today's show business, and it's an important um, absence. One is the elegance. You know, we don't need the baseball caps. Mm-hmm. We don't need the sneakers. You know, I go into a club. I tell the people, I said, are you going to perform or are you going to clean the garage? <laughs> and, and, you know, so the elegance is missing. And the second thing is the camaraderie. You felt the friendship. If Sinatra would sing with Dean Martin, you felt it. Or with Sammy, it was there. That magic was there. And I'm talking about 22 and 23-year-old people. They say we love this. It, very interesting. 800-848-9222. Joan's in Manhattan. Hi, Joan. Oh, hi. Hi, Frank. Hi. You know, I, I wanted to agree with you. Last night you said that um, Frank does not get enough credit for being a great actor. That's true. And also, you have to be a great actor to put over a song the way he does, number one. But number two, I was he also was a great dancer. Now, I remember seeing him, I think the movie was called Wonderful Town, where he's a sailor on weekend leave, and he dances up a storm with Gene Kelly, and he keeps up with Gene Kelly, everything that they do together, and it was fabulous. And I was wondering, number one, did he ever have singing lessons or acting lessons or dancing lessons? Okay, can I comment Please, on that? Yeah. Uh, Tommy Dreesen told me that he's one night at Frank Sinatra's home for dinner, and a frequent guest was a gentleman named Gregory Peck mm. and his wife, and it was also the Gregory Peck. The Gregory okay. Peck, and he said, "Ella was also Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet and Robert Wagner and Jill St. John. They were the regular crowd, you know, in the later years." And uh, Tommy uh, had asked him, Tom Dreesen, his comedian, had asked him what you just said. Uh, you know, uh, did you ever have any acting lessons? And he said, Gregory Peck grabbed Tommy's arm and said, "Acting lessons would have ruined him. Mm. He's a diamond in the rough." And he's great just the way he is. Never had an acting lesson. Do you know if that's the case for any vocal or singing lessons as well? I'd be curious if that if that were, to, were the case. Not aware of that, but you also mentioned about dancing. Jackie Mason and Pat Cooper both told me in that era, you had to be multidimensional. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just tell jokes. The actors had to dance. The, the comedians had to sing. Uh you had to be more of that well-rounded entertainer. The most, uh, I, I guess, best example would be Dean Martin. He could be funny. He could sing. He could act. But you had to be multidimensional. It's not that way anymore. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Well, this is a bold admission here, Elliot. Uh, there's a gentleman calling that claims to be a friend of yours, Michael, on the Upper East Side. Not sure why anyone would want to admit that, but here we are. Hello, Michael. Hello, Frank. First of all. I just started listening to this segment about 15 minutes ago, and I hear this voice. I said, I know this guy. I know this guy. And I'm saying, but I don't remember his name. And then you said, Elliot Gordon went into Google. I pulled up a picture. I said, Elliot, that's Elliot. Mike, you nice to, nice to say hello. What, what does nice he owe to, you money or something? Uh, Reminds no, me nice. of that Seinfeld episode with Grossbard. <laughs> nice, nice listening to you, Mike. How are you? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, it's nice that you're listening. I'm so happy. We know each other from parties. That's right. I know who you are. Sure, good man. Um, and I'm saying this is fabulous. 
I really am thrilled that you're on Frank's show. Not, I'm not thrilled with Frank, but with you, you know. <laughs> I'm going to give Frank your address. Hold on. Yeah, Wait a thank minute. you. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. All right. They, Thanks, Mike. Everyone's auditioning. Everyone's auditioning. Hey, uh, speaking of auditions, uh, 800-848-9222, if you want to comment. You talked about Bob Hope, uh, the person who's probably best known for that song that we played earlier, Thanks for the Memory. And he, another guy with just an incredible career, an incredible longevity of success. And um, he really was one of a kind as, uh, you know, uh, those Road 2 movies, which I still watch with he and Bing Crosby, I think are terrific. You look at the uh, work that he did entertaining the troops all over the world, his television specials. He was really just sui generis as an entertainer. Uh, tell me your observations about well, Bob Well, the Hull. same thing. I actually was in the same room with him one night many, many years ago. And uh, we didn't talk. He was, I think, there emceeing something. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm in the same room with Bob Hope. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's nothing but it's something at the same time. And when you realize uh, how much this guy has done, uh, to me, he represented Hollywood this time of the year back in his era when he would take musicians and singers and dancers into the middle of a war, you say to yourself, I'm proud of the entertainment business. I'm proud of Hollywood. He's taking the entertainers where they're needed. And I had a client, Connie Stevens, who I represented for a couple of personal appearances, wonderful lady. Uh, I think she's still acting. She's still producing, very successful. And she told me that in the 60s, Bob Hope gave her a call and said, uh, you know, Connie, I'd like to take you somewhere. She said, I thought maybe he's taking me to a movie, maybe dinner, (laughs) a show. She said, no, I want to take you to Vietnam. And she said, Elle, I went out there and we'd be performing in front of 20,000, 30,000 soldiers who needed a break from the war. I said, Connie, I saw a few of the clips of you on stage with Bob Hope. You're a great dancer. She said, I wasn't dancing. I was dodging bullets. <laughs> but she said, oh, it was a great experience. Tom Dreesen went out there with him. Great experience. Joey Heatherton, another lady who I had been friendly with in the 1980s, went out there. And she said, when you're doing the right thing, when you're really out there helping, when you're uh, going 200 miles into the China Sea and coming down off a helicopter so you could sing and dance for the boys who need entertainment— you felt you did something positive and put Bob Hope's name at the top of that list. Now, so um, Connie Stevens actually was the recipient of the Bob Hope Excellence right. in Entertainment That's Award. Right. right now, around what year was 67. it? 1967. Here's uh, Connie Stevens receiving the Bob Hope Excellence in Entertainment Award. And who served this country has brought laughter and healing to those who need it most. Traveling the world with the USO, Bob and his so-called Band of Gypsies included the top names in entertainment, sports, as well as other celebrities. The Bob Hope Christmas special became a tradition for Bob and the USO starting in 1948. One of the very popular segments of the act featured the most sought-after actresses of the day. In 1969... He delighted USO audiences with his special guest, Connie Stevens. Around the world with the USO, starring Connie Stevens. Stevens' acting career includes feature films, 
Broadway and the hit television series Hawaiian Eye. She is also a dedicated USO volunteer, having entertained troops during the Korean, Vietnam, and Persian Gulf Wars. During the 69 USO Christmas show, this gypsy started her globetrotting tour with a special performance at the Nixon White House, then flew off on the first leg of the trip. While crossing the Atlantic, Connie and Bob did impromptu radio broadcasts for weather ships below. After a performance off the coast of Italy, it was on to Vietnam. Oh, you and your fancy flattery, you're laying it on for spite. You're big and strong. Me. Lower, honey. Too cool to fight. You're handsome, too. You got a hold of the PX now. Connie truly knows how to connect with her audience, at times bringing lucky servicemen right into her act. Anybody here named Bill? All of you? Come on up here. Will you marry me, Bill? You're already married. I love you so. I always will. And in your voice I hear the choir. She wasn't just a hit with the bill. She was a hit all over. What? Do you get when you fall in love A guy with a pin to burst your bubble That's what you get In 1988, Connie Stevens was once again on the road for Bob Hope's USO Christmas show from the Persian Gulf. We have been to a few war zones together, have we? We sure have. We went to Kuchi, right? Uh, Da Nang, uh, the Mekong Delta, Saigon, and a couple of Zsa Zsa Gabor weddings. (laughs) They're war zones, all right. This time, Connie's family got into the act as she introduced her daughters, Trisha Lee Fisher and Jolie Fisher. Please don't let this feeling in. It's everything I First in 1969, then again in 1988, Connie closed the show with a touching sing-along performance of Silent Night. All is calm, all is bright. Connie has been quoted saying, Nothing you wear is more important than your smile. From those men and women who wear and have worn the cloth of this nation, we thank you for the smiles you have brought us over these last several decades. For her service to the USO and those who serve our country, the Congressional Medal of Honor Society awards Connie Stevens the Bob Hope Excellence in Entertainment Award. That's really something. And uh, I, I can imagine, I mean, first of all, I'd like to try and get Connie Stevens on this show uh, because uh, it, it seems like she's still relatively active. But uh, w- you talk about the experience of a lifetime. I mean, that's it. 
That's really something. Elliot Gordon is here, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. We'll try and take a couple more of your calls in a moment. And uh, we'll also uh, chat about uh, Steve Rossi of the great comedy team of Alan and Rossi and whatever else we can fit in in the next few minutes. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano here with Elliot Gordon. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at midnight with Frank Morano. They told me, Barumpum, a newborn king to see, Barumpum. Our finest gifts we bring can it be years from now perhaps we'll see our I love this song. Uh, this is one of my favorite Christmas songs. And it's a great duet at, where you're combining different singers of different generations who had different appeals and very different styles. There's David Bowie doing a duet with Bing Crosby. And you I mean, you think about. David Bowie's music, it's not really Bing Crosby's music at all. But what I love about this song, and you can even see the video on the YouTube of the two of them, is kind of an early form of music video. It's a little silly, but it's great. Is it's really it shows how well different styles and different genres can kind of meld together. It's uh, one of the one of the things that we're chatting about with Elliot Gordon. Elliot Gordon is an entrepreneur. He's a producer. He's a talent agent, former aide to Mayor Giuliani. And uh, these days, Elliot, you do a lot of these shows, as I alluded to, where you introduce different clips, kind of like what we're doing now, to help people stroll down memory lane. Any upcoming shows or appearances that uh, you're doing that people can check out sometimes? Yes, Frank. I'm working constantly. And there's a beautiful community that opened up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Really, it's like a five-star hotel community uh, for seniors. It's called the Sunrise Apsley, and they bring me in once a month. And there's a theater in um, Plainview, Long Island that's called Country Point. Uh, and uh, the condominiums there are very expensive. I was there about three weeks ago doing my presentation, History of the Comedians of the Catskills. Uh, they sold tickets, uh, and we uh, sold about 200 tickets, and it was just to that small community, but they're bringing me back for February 7th, where I'll be doing a presentation called The History of Rock and Roll Through My Friends, 
Uh, and I'll be sharing a story of my mentor, Sid Bernstein, how on that day, 60 years ago, he brought a couple of guys called the Beatles to New York, and uh, tickets are selling very, wow. very well. Great. If people want tickets, uh, what's the best place for uh, them You to know go? what? The best place, uh, you know, message me. I'm, it's the easiest thing. Facebook Messenger or Facebook, Elliot Gordon, two L's and two T's. I'll get you all the information, uh, but I'll also be in uh, uh, February at the uh, JCC, the Safra JCC see on the Upper East Side. And as I say, I'm working constantly, uh, men's club sisterhoods, and really it's sharing these clips, but it's not nostalgia. What I'm doing is I'm just sharing great entertainers Mm. and people are loving it. They say, hey, we got enough bad news out there. We want comedians. We want singers. We want entertainers who are the best in the business. And I'm getting people from their 20s to their 70s say we needed this hour. Uh, That is outstanding. So if you want to get in touch with Elliot Gordon, again, the best way to do it sounds like is uh, just to search him on Facebook. Elliot Gordon, two L's and two T's. Tell me about the comedy team of Alan and Rossi. I I have to admit, I have heard of Alan and Rossi. I know who they were in history. I never really got to know them as performers. I imagine a lot of people are in the same boat. Who were Alan and Rossi, and who was Steve Rossi specifically? Well, what happened was they were very similar to a Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, where you had a very handsome singer pitched up with a wacky, off-the-wall comedian. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm representing an actor about seven or eight years ago called Danny Aiello. Sure, uh, I knew Danny very well. Absolutely, terrific guy. And Danny told me, he said he didn't start acting until he was 35 years old. He lost his job as a union negotiator, and he said he wanted to go into films, and he just hit the ground running. And when I met him, he said, it's 90 films later. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I remember we had interviewed him. uh, uh, Pat Cooper spoke to him, and Danny told him he never had an acting lesson, and yet he almost won the Oscar for uh, that Do the right thing. Right. And uh, Pat Cooper said, if you had an acting lesson, you would have won the award. (laughs) But Danny tells me, he said, Al, I got a friend, Steve Rossi, and uh, I used to work with Marty Allen. Call him. You could represent him. I didn't follow up on it. I wish I did. Because when I look back at the work these guys did in the 60s and 70s in Vegas and the Sullivan Show, they're hysterical. And uh, I'm sorry, I didn't represent Steve, but great comedy team similar to Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. All right. One of the names that uh, you don't necessarily hear a great deal these days anymore is uh, is Gary Moore. Well, can you tell us about Gary sure. Moore? Sure. Gary Moore is an entertainer. He had a hit variety show. That was the era of variety shows. My buddy Vince Calandra spent 14 years with Ed Sullivan as one of his associate producers. And I speak to Vince all the time. He's about 90 now, retired out in California, originally from Brooklyn. And he said, oh, it was a great 14 years. The issue of the variety show it had to do with economics. In the late 50s and 1960s, when Sullivan owned the world Sunday nights at 8, America got together watching Sullivan at that time, he said the issue of variety shows people had one television set. That's all they could afford. So we needed a handsome singer for mom, a comedian for pop, a rock band for sis, and a juggler for Tommy. He said, and that created the variety show because we had had something for everybody, one television set. Once the 70s came, variety shows swept away. So Jackie Gleason had a variety show. Steve Allen really had a variety show. Gary Moore was another variety show. Here is uh, a little bit of uh, Gary Moore, I believe, with Barbara Streisand. Let's listen to this. 
I'm in love with Carol Burnett. She makes my heart go boom. You know, I misspoke, actually, by the way. This is, I'm misreading my own notes here. This is uh, with um, with Alan and Rossi, but it's on the Gary Moore show. Right. My apologies. Just so people aren't expecting one thing and getting another. <laughs> I told her I'd go anywhere. She sent me to my room. <laughs> I made it up. I know you did. Can I? I? Not, no, no, I'm going to do something else. So now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to meet some famous personalities. Here's the, here's the fellow who discovered America. Hello there. <laughs> Sir, uh, what is your name? My name, Christopher Columbus. Oh, I see. Well, when were you born? On Columbus Day. Did you have trouble crossing the Atlantic? Oh, did I have trouble. Why was that? I was in the Pacific. <laughs> From India, I'd like you to meet Mr. Nehru. Hello there. Come back, Jackie. I'm stuck with an elephant. But Mr. Nehru, what are you going to do about the Chinese? Nothing until I get my laundry back. <laughs> I'd like you to meet TV's health expert, Jack LaLanne. Hello there! Jack, uh, <laughs> you've been exercising in a chair now for two years. What are the results? The chair lost eight pounds. Here's the presidential press secretary, Mr. Pierre Salinger. Hello there! Caroline, get out of the pool! Salinger, what is the one question people keep asking you about the president? They want to know if he's on or off his rocker. Alan and Rossi on the uh, Gary Moore show. Uh, still very funny. Uh, very funny visually as well. What do you think the legacy of Alan and Rossi is uh, to comedy and to entertainment, at least these days? Well, I think that era, they're part of that special era where you can get up there and two guys just could be very, very funny, uh, as opposed to what's happening today in the comedy clubs. And, uh, Frank, I go into those comedy clubs and they just got that same topic over and over. At least these guys spoke about a few different things. They showed a little bit of creativity. And I think that's what we're witnessing for that era of comedian as opposed to today where they take one topic and they just beat it to death. Interesting. Hey, uh, Janice in Brooklyn has a question that maybe you can help us answer. Hello there, Janice. Yeah, hi. Um, since you're talking about Frank Sinatra and Bob Hope, I heard that. Frank Sinatra did not like Bob Hope, and I'm wondering why. I never found out why. You know anything about that, Elliot? Nothing. Yeah. You know, I got to say, Janice, that's news to me. Not that I'm an authority as Elliot is, but I'm not not up on that. Thanks, Janice. 800-848-9222. My guest has been Elliot Gordon. You can find him on Facebook. Just search Elliot Gordon. Charles is in Queens. Hi, Charles. Hi, hi. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Elliot. First of all, Frank, I really marvel how you put together a great show every night. Thank you. That's nice you of you. Time to I, I appreciate that. Very and, kind. Thank uh, you. I wanted to say to Elliot Gordon, uh, you're very entertaining. And what's most appealing to me is that you're very natural. It's not like you're putting on a show. Mm. You're, you're very natural. You're very good. Anyway, I wanted to ask you a question about uh, Frank Sinatra and a quick question about Jackie Mason. Frank, I heard a story about Frank Sinatra, a very quick story, and I wonder if it really happened. Supposedly it really happened. 
with this guy at a restaurant is <clears throat> sitting like several tables away from Frank Sinatra with his girlfriend. And his girlfriend went to the ladies' room to powder her nose. And so he goes over to Frank and says, Mr. Sinatra, please, please do me a favor. I'm on a date and I want to impress the girl I'm with. Come over to me, you know, in 15 minutes when she's there sitting with me. Clap me on the back and say, Sammy, how you doing? Okay, I want to impress her. Frank says, sure. So 20 minutes later, whatever, Frank goes over, claps me on the back. Sammy, how you doing? And Sammy goes, Frankie, stop bothering me. Can't you see I'm on a date? Yeah, see, I had heard that story with Don Rickles. Yes, I had heard it with Rickles as well. Good good story. Yeah, you never know know what's a myth and what's a reality. Hey, uh, Charles, very quickly, uh, we only have about a minute here, but if you had a Jackie Mason comment, go ahead. Okay, but Jackie Mason, I, I, I saw him about a dozen times. I knew him personally. What I'm surprised about is I find his humor, I mean, I love his humor, uh, very original, but very Yiddish humor. I'm just surprised that it was such a, such a hit on Broadway, and I can't see, he, I think he performed, uh, you know, just he himself with Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Queen, uh, yeah, Elizabeth, right. And I can't see her enjoying it. I, I, well, I, I just want to make one comment on that. I had a similar question. Jack told me, he said, Ellen, I'm going to the London Palladium. Uh, and I said, Jack, but your humor is so Lower East Side. How are they going to relate to you mm. in Britain? And he told me that he's a biggest star in England than he ever was in New York. I said, did you ever do a command performance? He said, I've done so many command performances that the Queen is starting to talk like me. <laughs> You know, the only thing I could think with that is everybody growing up in New York knows someone like Jackie Mason or has heard someone like Jackie Mason. Not as funny, but uh, someone that speaks that way, that uh, complains that way. In the UK, it really is such a novelty and so different from what you grew up with. It's it's such a different thing. It's almost like a, a specimen from a totally different planet. Frankie told me, he said, El, the Palladium holds 3,000 people. He sold out 10 shows, and he's going out there to perform for a crowd over that period of 30,000 people. Uh, Elliot uh, Gordon, thank you very, very much. It is always a, a treat to have you, and I hope we can do this again soon. Absolutely. Uh, folks can find Elliot Gordon on Facebook, uh, two L's and two T's, and then the standard spelling of Gordon. Coming up, we still got a lot of show to go. I'm going to take your calls on a wide variety of subjects. Are we cursing too much on television? And it is, in, is it time for yet another presidential impeachment? Until next hour, your influence counts. Use it.